Hello, and welcome to the Sort of Maybe I Don't Know podcast. This is episode two. I am your host, Price. Um, I almost said I am your whore. I am your host, Price. Um, Thank you for coming back and listening to me again. First off, let's get started with kind of just like a rundown of what I'm going to talk to you about today. Recently, I've been doing like a lot of studying on like medical things, psychology, childhood stuff. So kind of a repeat of last week's episode um, in just the sense that we're talking about um, things like that. But to start off, I kind of want to talk to you about video games, kind of like I had had as my last little thing um, before I whatchamacallit, before I ended my podcast last time. So recently, um, there's been kind of some just like chatting about um, the microtransactions and the the spike of those in video games and things like that. And honestly, I don't feel like it's a problem. I feel like we blame these agencies for trying to make money, but in the long run, what fuels their next game? What fuels their next, um, I guess, just project, even if it isn't just like something that COD does, where it's like a yearly COD where they release it, and they're the three, the three studios that have an arc of who gets to have the game next. Um, but... I don't feel like there's such a problem. I feel like people blow them way out of proportion. And so recently people have thrown this tantrum about Black Ops 4 and how they just have their, their microtransactions. Um, and it's it's not the end of the world. I feel like people see it as the end of the world, and it's not really. Um, they So essentially, here's the rundown. What happened is they just released a new... They released a new... Um, I'm trying to find a word to explain it. Operation, I guess, a new a new kind of contraband stream underneath their main operation. And with that new contraband stream, um, they launched essentially nothing. They just launched a bunch of bunch of cosmetic items instead of the gun that everybody was expecting because it's in the game code. It's been leaked. Everybody knows it's coming out, and so just because um, people uh, are frustrated with that, I feel like that's not very. I feel like that's not very fair towards the developers and towards the studio. You were the ones that wanted cosmetics instead of new guns, but now you're complaining for new guns instead of cosmetics. And I guess it's. I guess it just goes to show that there's no real way to make things um, right. There's no way. to do things that are fair towards um, other people, I guess. Not fair towards other people. There's no way to there's no way to give out um, exactly what somebody wants because if somebody gets what they want, there's no doubt in my mind that somebody else is going to throw a tantrum about that. And so in the long run, I feel like it's not very fair to be angry about it no one's ever going to be happy i don't feel like they should have to pander to the community because the community is so split and divided on what they want 
then at the end of the day, it honestly means nothing to the developers because one side is saying this and the other side is saying that. And so there's no way to make everyone happy. There's no way to um, keep that clear between development and the community. Just kind of wanted to get that off my chest because it, it was kind of frustrating to me that these people are getting angry at something that they wanted like they desired um they pointed at other games and said they're giving them cosmetics um and we only want cosmetics we don't want new guns because it breaks the game but the moment that they started getting what they wanted the cosmetics that they requested that all of a sudden became the one thing that they demanded not to have um and that's that's weird to me but anyways um I could just kind of, we'll move past that. We'll move past that because it's, it's over. It's th that idea is kind of done. Um, but anyways, to kind of keep up with um, the trend of having a song of the day, my song of the day today is Raindrop Blues by Never Shout Never. Um, Never Shout Never um, was kind of, they popped up. It, it's it's done by an artist named Christopher Drew and a couple of his friends. But it kind of popped up in that MySpace era. And he was kind of a fresh look at emo music. It was very happy and upbeat and more lovesick than anything else. Um, but they've kind of evolved into this um, calm, almost, uh, how do I say, folk, indie type of music. And I think it's a good change for them. I feel like it's where Christopher really wants to take everything without straying too far from the original band because the original band, stay it, it's staying with that same instruments. It's staying with mandolin and guitar and piano and violin and stuff like that. And so it's off their newest EP. Um, the newest EP, I believe, um, if I'm not incorrect is called here actually i'll look it up real quick um i believe it's called velvet trends i'll ch i'll check if that's yeah no just kidding velvet trends i don't know where i got that violet soul is the newest ep um so violet soul anything off of that is really good but it's all, but raindrop blues is on that and i think that's my song of the day today i've really been enjoying that um but without further ado let's kind of kick up kick into the topics the first thing i kind of want to talk about was childhood fears or childhood traumas that came from those fears um and one of mine um i think i think the biggest one that i can kind of point out um that was one of mine when i was little um straying away from like psychological things one of my biggest fears was um if anybody's ever seen it the never-ending story there's a scene in it where, um, oh, this is an intense scene. They go into the bogs of Endless Sorrow or the Swamp of Endless Sorrow. I don't remember if that's if that's really its name. I, I believe it's the, the Swamp of Endless Sorrow, but I'm going to call it the Bog of Endless Sorrow just for easier um, topic, like easier to stay on topic for me. Um, but there's a part where they go into the Endless Bog of Sorrow and the main character um <laughs> his horse gets trapped in quicksand and 
dies. It like, and don't worry for all of you who actually, maybe I, mm, no, Never Ending Story came out a long time ago, so I'm okay to spoil it. Never Ending Story, the horse does get revived. It doesn't just kill it. It doesn't pull any punches like that. It wasn't as daring as other movies like um, Cujo or anything like that. Um, I don't actually. I don't know if it's Cujo. Maybe it isn't Cujo. It's the one with the Saint Bernard that gets rabies and starts killing people. Um, it kind of came out alongside the. It kind of came out alongside the Pet Cemetery style films, um, but a- along that topic, along that topic of like things that freak me out, that scene, that scene's in there, and also Pet Cemetery was really freaky for me. Um, my parents never knew I watched it because I feel like if I ever told them, um, if I ever told them that. I watched it, they'd probably be really frustrated because it wasn't a movie for little eyes and I regret watching it now because there's like a scene that, so straight up, um, they s- they place a bunch of foreshadowing at the beginning of the movie and I'm going to spoil this one too, so just a heads up. They place some foreshadowing at the beginning of the movie where a little boy is saved from being hit by a truck and their neighbor saves him from being hit, essentially, and he pulls the new so actually i guess i should preface it with like kind of the intro to the movie the intro to the movie is this new family is moving into maine i think yeah i think it's maine um they move into maine and they're living on this street where it's like super um it's super i guess just like busy with traffic and super busy with like cars and stuff like that um and and he talks about it sorry guys i've got a grab a phone call real quick i i can jump right back in sorry that took a little bit um actually for you it didn't i cut it out but anyways back to what i was talking about in pet cemetery just kind of preface it the movie they move into this town son walks into the road they talk about um your neighbor saves the boy they talk about the traffic that's kind of all you need to know except that the new neighbor or the new move in. I don't remember the doctor's name, but he's a vet. He's a vet. Um, and they talk about, um, they talk about like certain things like how it's, um, super busy. The road's busy. And then, the, um, the new move in the doctor, I'm going to find his name out real quick. Cause I feel like, I feel like if I don't know his name, it's going to make the explanation of this movie a lot harder to understand because I'll just refer to him as the doctor or the guy that moved in. And so I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, actually. Let's see. What is his name? Dr. Lewis Creed. There we go. So Dr. Creed or Lewis in the movie, Lewis Creed asks this neighbor, what does the path on my property lead to? And so they, he takes him back there and he says, um, uh, he, he essentially says, this is the pet cemetery. This is where I buried my own dog. This is this and this is that. Um, but then he points to like these tree branches. He's like, but we never go back there. And he's like, oh, okay. And so essentially that's how the movie kicks off. And then, oh, wait, I think I just, I think I just said something wrong. Maybe I did. Yeah, I did. He's not a vet. The doctor's not a vet. He's just a doctor. Anyways, 
But the first day, um, this it's actually really gruesome. This kid comes into the ER and he got hit by a car and he like he dies, obviously. But like half his face is like torn up and you can see part of his brain and stuff. So it's really messed up. It's not a kid movie. So like you can see why this like traumatized me as a child. Um, but it's super messed up um, how this happens. He goes home. He talks to his wife about it. And then they hear. Um, I actually don't remember this part. Somehow they find their cat, which came with them and the young boy, Churchill, Winston Churchill, that who they call Church in the movie. They find him dead, essentially, and um, they know that this like kid will just be heartbroken, um, and so they go and they bury him the next day without telling the son. And the son's asking where Church is, and it's really sad because Church is a super cute cat, um, but they he keeps asking where Church is, and then we we have the plot further by. Um, Dr. Creed asking why nobody has gone past the tree branches and the forest tunnel that um, he pointed out when they first went into the pet cemetery. And he was like, well, there's an Indian burial ground up there. And apparently um, somebody uh, buried there or it's like apparently it's an Indian burial ground and whatever you bury up there comes back to life. And so that's like, whoa, that that's your first kind of like, whoa, that's weird. Kind of a kind of a development in this story um but then dr creed goes oh has anyone ever buried somebody up there like a human and they were like and he goes oh no that no one would ever do that he like freaks out this neighbor i don't remember his name i don't remember a lot of this movie because like i said i watched it when i was a child and i tried to forget it because it was super traumatizing but this neighbor's like no no one would ever no one would ever do that. That's that's just awful. Um, and at the end of that sequence, you see Dr. Creed digging up church. And so he takes him up to this Indian burial ground, and he buries him. And then there's this scene where there's, like, lightning in the background, and it's super intense, and yada, yada, yada. Anyways, time goes on. They wake up the next morning and Church is sitting on their front porch and he is not a happy kitty and not a cute kitty anymore. He is an angry, angry kitty. Um, and it, it gets super dark. This is when things start to get super dark. Um, they have to kill the cat again, essentially. They kill it again, bury it again in the not speaker or not Indian burial ground that brings kittens and things back to life. And... Dr. Creed talks to his neighbor, of course, because he's kind of the guiding um, character in this movie. Um, and eventually, it just, like, the story develops. I don't, like, I don't want to make this too long of a description because it'll take up, like, a chunk of the podcast. I don't want to make this too long of a description. So, anyways, story develops. Um, neighbor tells Dr. Creed that, yes, somebody did try to bury a human, and they ended up having to bury or burn they ended up having to burn the house down that the father and son were in and he was one of the three people that burned the house down to stop like this zombie apocalypse essentially um because anybody that comes back from the indian burial ground is just supposedly really aggressive and really angry um story goes on there's kind of filler here and there and then baby gets hit by a truck essentially 
the baby dies, um, which is super intense because, like, that's just messed up. Like, I don't think I've ever seen any movie nowadays just kill a kid. And, like, it's it's weird to experience that um, because you really hear kind of the best acting in the movie at this point besides the neighbor. Um you you kind of hear the best acting and the scream is just like blood curdling essentially and that terrified me as a kid. But anyways, it continues and he buries his son in the burial ground and brings him back to life despite the neighbor's warnings of having to burn the house down to kill um having to kill his son or having to, having to kill those people um eventually so it comes back and the baby is just terrifying because he becomes the main villain yada 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 it goes on he kills the mom and then hangs her body as like a booby trap for the dad um and he ends up having to kill his son again he gives him lethal injection and it's really sad it's like the saddest scene and the movie ends, and this is this is what traumatized me. The movie ends with him burying his wife in the Indian burial grounds and taking her home, and they're dancing and kissing, and she kills him. That's that's the end of the film. After the baby killed the neighbor and killed the mother, he ends up burying her and like getting down and they're like kissing and it like it's very reminiscent of like last dance with mary jane if anyone has ever seen that music video done by tom petty um it it's always it's really it's always really dark to see something like that where they're so traumatized that they allow themselves to die for a loved one because like we've all like I feel like it's kind of almost a universal a, a universal experience um it it was really just it it, it was really intense um and so, like, I, I feel like it really pulled a punch there. And I feel like it's a kind of a common experience that we've had a loved one die. And to see somebody that traumatized about losing a loved one enough to bring them back to life and allow them to kill him in, like, a zombie form was really intense. And it was really traumatizing. So that was a huge childhood fear of mine. I feel like that's such a huge stark difference compared to um, my first scene where, like, the horse dies in the swamp. That's really tame. Uh and so, like, it's really tame to, like, really intense. So, I'm sorry about that. That was ki That's kind of a stark difference. Um, but in the long run, um, that was kind of traumatizing. I, I, I really didn't want a family member to die. Like, that was... That was such a fear of mine. It was really just intense. Like, it, it was intense. It kept me... It kind of, it kind of kept me captivated and kept me captivated. It kind of kept me captive. Um, they're the same root, so you can tell how I messed that up. But I, I was really captivated by the. Um, I, I said it twice. I was held captive by the fact that somebody in my family could die, and that scared me. And it, it, 
it scared me for a long time. Um, I finally got past it just in time for my grandfather to pass away. And I was like, okay, I'm all right. Like, he's not going to come back to hurt me. I'm not going to bring him back to life. Like, we're okay. It, it was it was a traumatizing experience. Um, but that that was kind of a fear. Another fear of mine that I developed when I was very little um, is hooks, which sounds weird. But, like, so it, it, growing up, my grandpa used to have a cane. He He was, like, victim to – he was essentially victim to a malpractice issue, and it left him – he he could have he could have worked to a point where he walked again but at this point in time he was just old enough that it would have taken such a toll on his body he would have died fairly faster than he would have if he just didn't do it um and so i think that that that's another story for a later date but anyways he had a cane all while I was growing up he would sit in chairs and he would walk with a cane around around eventually near the end of his life. He kind of stopped walking around with a cane um, because he just like I said, he just stopped kind of working towards it because it would have it would have worn him down faster. Um, but he used to if we ever did something wrong, he used to grab us with this cane. And so I, I had this like fear of hooks. He w- we were never abused. Anything that, like, anytime he whopped us or anytime he hit us with something or, like, hit us with a wheelchair, um, anytime he did that, I, I it was always out of discipline. And so I wasn't abused. I don't want to give off the impression because I loved my grandpa very much. And he was, he was actually one of the main motivators in my life to this day. Both of my grandpas are. Um, uh, and so I... I don't want to give off the impression that he ever did anything wrong to me. He never did. He was a very, very kind and loving man at his heart. Um, but but I had a fear of hooks. I also had a fear of mines. If that like I was I was growing up around the time of a lot of mining crises, and I don't know why. Like I just heard about so many of them, and just recently we had another one. That one in Thailand, or no, that wasn't a. That wasn't a mining crisis. I think that was just a cave thing. I don't remember. I don't. I don't really remember, but I do know that that there was something like that. Um, but in the end, um, I, I developed that fear of hooks. I de- developed that fear of mines. That was really weird. Like to just have that fear to never want to be in a mine. And actually, growing up, I always, I always had. Um, I've been told stories like haunted of like haunted mines, which was weird because in the early 2000s, I was I was too young for the original launch of, launch of this movie. But the early 2000s, I watched a movie called My Bloody Valentine and it, w- it was garbage. It, like it w- had garbage CG um, and it like there were a bunch of like just really gruesome things. I never watched it. I watched um, parts of it. And I remember seeing, like, just, like, haunted stuff. And, like, it's a really messed up. Like, it's just messed up in the long run. Um, about, like, the main characters and, like, the things that happened in the mine. Um, 
but the common the common denominator between those two films the original film which i ended up watching and the the 3d film that came out in the 2000s that i never watched because it was really it just it was dumb and it scared me as a kid um the 3d the original film was really creepy because it really like it was my first run-in with like psychological just like damage um and like maybe i developed like a fear of minds because of that um or it it reinforced my fear of minds because i still to this day will not go anywhere near a mine it doesn't matter where it is i'm not gonna go to kennecott copper mine um up in harriman i didn't go on that field trip because it scared me even though it was a mine that was like straight down it wasn't like a it wasn't like an ore mining mine where they went in and broke out chunks of the wall and refined it from there and there were all the tunnels even though it wasn't like that i i i refused to go because it was really scary to me um but i had like a big fear of mines and so that was another weird that was another weird fear of mine um I feel like I feel like we have all those things. We have all those things as a child that kind of develop fears. For instance, like mine was like hooks, um, like zombies. I guess I should say zombies and death of animals. So Pet Cemetery was like incredibly traumatizing, um, but like zombies, um, dead animals, hooks, um, mines. We all have those developmental things that scare us. And 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 speaking of developmental things, there were, there were always things that I remember growing up and as a child I misunderstood but now understand fully. And I, I feel like you can go to like the normal ones where it's like sex ed and health class. Those taught me things I just didn't understand when I was a kid. But I mean like misunderstandings like um, misunderstandings like Here's an example. One that I had when I was um, younger is I thought West Virginia was just like – I thought West Virginia was Virginia. It was just the west part of Virginia, and so they separated it. That was like a legitimate issue I had is I thought I thought West Virginia and Virginia – were the same place just separated apart um i thought north dakota and south dakota were the same thing i thought north dakota and south dakota were the same place they were just talking about two different sides um when in all reality they're two separate states um i remember thinking hawaii was alaska they attach like Hawaii was attached and Alaska was out in the middle of the water and they were beneath the equator so it was super cold. That was a weird that was a weird thing to figure out that it was reversed and Hawaii was actually really warm. Um Alaska is above the equator and it makes it colder. So I wasn't too wrong except that I did it the opposite way it's not down that makes it colder it's up that makes it colder 
I feel like in any extreme, I feel like it goes both ways. In any extreme, if you go too far down, it's cold. If you go too far up, it's cold. Um, those were like a couple of misunderstandings, but I feel like we all had those misunderstandings. Um, mine were mostly s- like with states and understanding geography. Um, my little brother, um, my little brother told me a story coming home from school one day um, that he – so if any of you didn't know, Virginia was um, named after Queen – one of the queens of England um, because she was supposedly a virgin. And if you – like air quotations, virgin, she was, she was very much um, – immoral with even her husband and stuff like that um but it it was named after her to kind of like commemorate that she was a virgin and so trying to explain that my his teacher tried to explain that and my little brother came home and told me the story that the teacher said to them being a virgin meant that you hadn't done anything bad and so this kid in his class said to the teacher um said to the teacher um well then technically we're all not virgins and my little brother just didn't understand what that meant because this was this was when they were really young and the teacher kind of just backed them into the corner backed himself into or herself i don't know the teacher um just kind of backed themselves into a corner and uh eventually just put them in a position to throw out an answer that confused a lot of kids And I think that, and so he 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 honestly thought for the longest time that being a virgin meant you've never done anything bad, and I think that's that's actually super funny. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I I think that's super funny. Um, I don't I don't have really any other like child misunderstandings, um, like like that. Um, today's going to be kind of a shorter episode just because I, I have places to be and I got to pick up some things before I get home. Um, after I, if you didn't know, I'm, I'm recording this away from home because my computer is down and I don't really have a quiet place at my house. Um, but I I don't really have anything more like that. So I kind of want to move into the next topic, which is perspective change. And kind of attitude and personality changes you grow up. Um, kind of like how our style changes, our personality changes as we grow older. Um, I One of the things that, that really changed as I grew up and my perspective changed was my style. Um, I've I've received compliments from multiple friends, one of which being shout out shout out to her on this podcast Emma. Um one of one of those being or she she told me that I have a um a good sense of style and I think that was something that I changed. That was kind of my perspective change as I got older. Um um is just like what fashion was and how I was supposed to look nicer 
in some situations. And I think that's really funny to me. I think that's super funny to me because um, I remember wearing things that I would I would not touch with a 10-foot stick now that I'm older. Um, dis- like distinctively one of those being all blue. Um, I don't know why I was obsessed with it. Maybe it was because I went to a, I went to a charter school, and I couldn't really tell colors, so I thought I was just matching like gray on gray and stuff like that, because I I couldn't tell the tints, um, and I couldn't tell colors very well, um, and so <laughs> I would wear this, like this polo i would wear this polo and man was it ugly it was an ugly polo and i didn't know it was blue um i think i have a color blindness i've never been diagnosed i don't want to self-diagnose um but i think i have color blindness because i can't see blues um and i see a lot of things um it's just really gray really dull um it's a, it's a gray brown in my eyes. But like I said, don't want to don't want to self-diagnose and I'm not going to self-diagnose. I don't really care until I go and do the go to the eye doctors and check um like eye color or like the color test um or color receptors. I don't I don't know how to explain that. Um I I don't want to have to deal with that until I go and see the doctor for glasses and stuff like that. Um but anyways, I wouldn't touch this outfit with a 10-foot pole. I would wear blue shorts and a blue polo. And it was the ugliest thing. And, like, being a little kid, of course, like, as a, like parents look at that and, like, aw, he picked his own clothes. Oh, that's so cute. But it was not cute, man. Somebody should have told me earlier. I, I was disgusting. I was, I was that kid that, like, everybody else was like, yo, why does he not know how to match things? I didn't know how to match. Um, I do know how to match now. Um, I still don't. Well, I do, but I don't in the sense that I don't match colors. I don't match colors. Um, I match blacks and whites and grays. That's that's the extent of my matching. Just because I feel like it's a more aesthetic look. I feel like it's a more sleek, it's a more minimalistic style. And that's kind of what I'm going for. I like the very minimalistic style and I want to have the minimalistic style because, to me, that's attractive. To some people, that's probably not very attractive. People are like, "Get some color in your life," but I'm not like that. I don't like, I don't like stuff like that. I like the minimalistic and stylistic choices that are based around that. Um, but my attitude, and or not my attitude, my my appearance definitely changed i think there's pictures that you can find um where my aesthetic started to change um i started going from these like not matching at all to i'm matching but with a select few colors to i've kind of found my niche and i've kind of found my aesthetic um because i i've kind of stayed the same for the last few years um, I've always, like I said, I've always had that black and white, that black and gray kind of a color, um, color coordination. Um, but, but like 
I originally like when I originally started forming my tastes and I still love shirts like this and I still love colors like this. Um, I used like I love greens. I love dark greens because it's one, like it's one of the greens that I, I, I don't have a hard time seeing is I love a dark green um, and especially a dark green with roses. Um, I don't know why I love dark green with roses. Dark green with roses is like one of the coolest things that I have ever seen. Um, I have a hoodie that's dark green with a rose on it, and it's really, it's really just like aesthetically pleasing in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I'd have to ask other people if it's really that good looking or it's just me thinking it's good looking. Um, but green with roses has always been my thing. Um, even before I changed uh, um, my style to what I'm wearing now, but in my early teenage years, I used to I used to always have black jeans, and to this day, I still have black jeans. I always wear black jeans. I feel like it's kind of the keystone to my outfit. I put on my black jeans that I've washed recently, and I build my outfit from there. I don't I don't have anything other than black jeans. I I occasionally occasionally if my mom will buy me blue jeans or something like that will wear them um mainly like just because like maybe it's laundry day or maybe i want to wear something different than black pants which is okay um i don't generally like to wear them it's not like i pick them out intentionally mainly because i have a hard time and this is going to like throw some people off because blue jeans apparently match with everything. I don't match them with everything. Um, it's hard for me to match with blue jeans. I don't know why. I don't know that if that's like even possible. I don't match with blue jeans. I don't. I don't know why I don't do it. I don't know how it's even possible that I can't match with them. I just don't. I just don't match with blue jeans. And I... I I must have picked it up from somewhere just weird. Um, but I don't wear blue jeans um, unless it's like laundry day or I'm looking for a change um, because I can't match. I can't match. But everybody says you can match anything with blue jeans. I don't. I don't know why I don't match blue jeans. I can't. I don't know how. It's impossible. It's impossible for me. But... Um, I guess my 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 ending note on that kind of perspective change with my my appearance and my aesthetic is that do whatever makes you happy. Um if you love blue jeans and you match everything with blue jeans, go for it. If you match everything with black jeans and it's a black, white and gray kind of a look, go for it. That's just your decision. Nobody said that you have to be completely unique. And if somebody did do that and you're trying to be unique, I hate you. Just kidding. I don't hate you. I don't hate anyone for fashion except Billie Eilish. I don't like Billie Eilish. I don't know if that's how you say her name, but I don't like her. Um, I don't like the way she dresses. I feel like she could just be Billie Eilish and people would like her the way she is. Um, instead of searching to be this quirky, weird person – um, speaking of which, kind of branching out onto that to this perspective change of psychologically, um, I had kind of a psych, like my psychology 
my psychological run through high school and even in elementary school, I had a really hard psychological run. And I don't know if I did that to myself just because of the way that I was living or if I just have a psychological problem that I'm ignoring. It's probably the latter. Once again, shout out to Emma um, for pointing out that I've got problems because I do. I guess I should just like officially change this podcast name to Kid With Problem. Just kidding. That's from another U- that's from a YouTube channel that I watched. Um after uh another YouTube after a tragedy hit and the YouTube channel I watched mainly went down. It's really sad. I don't want to get into it, but it's really sad. I feel bad for um the owners of that channel because that was a that was a really sad situation. Um but I I'm glad that somebody pointed it out to me because I have psychological issues. I ignore them for the most part. But I think as your personality changes, so does your psychology. Um I or- I originally remember um building this is going to this is going to be weird and I'm I'm kind of getting deep. I don't like to get deep on this podcast. I want it to be fun. Um but just to kind of get deep for a second, I built my personality off of TV that I watched um, because I didn't have very many friends. I didn't. Um, a lot of people liked me and a lot of people would have loved to be my friend. I just didn't have very many friends because I chose not to. And I, I regret that now. But um, beyond that, I built my personality off of TV personalities that I saw because that's what I um that that's what I was initially comparing myself to because I like I said I didn't have friends and so how do you build yourself with a group of friends if you don't have any um but I built myself off of mainly JD from Scrubs if anybody's ever watched Scrubs they know that JD is kind of this funny goofy character that everybody loves to be around but nobody really wants to stay with um and not for a b- like not for bad reasons they just kind of move on once they know that their true purpose and they and that 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 JD helped them find it and that was kind of how i've held myself and i've i've held myself to that standard um even to even even till up until recently where i've kind of reinvented myself creatively um but that was kind of JD's JD's personality um and that's how i built my personality and it sounds stupid it sounds weird but that was kind of how it changed and i think that because i built myself off of that personality my psychology changed due to that and so a lot of things hit even the sad moments hit harder and even the um happy moments hit really softer because i knew that the sad moments were going to hit even harder than that and so that's that's kind of an interesting topic to go off of is how our our psychology changes due to the personality that we build and it's dangerous to build yourself off of a, a TV personality because life is not like TV it's not in the slightest um and so i think that's really really interesting that i've kind of come back around and i've kind of um I've kind of come back around and kind of gotten older. As I reach kind of the last minutes of my podcast, um, I kind of want to talk um, more on the medical side of things. Um, 
Sorry, that was kind of a that was my segue. I just segued into the new topic. I want to talk about talk about medical realities because as school comes this fall for me, um, I'm going into pre med. I'm I'm majoring in science and going in, into it as pre med. I'm going to go with a chemistry major, um, so I can understand medicine and anatomy and stuff like that. So I'll take a lot of science classes as I go in. But I'm starting with pre med, and so I've been I've been reading up on medical realities stuff like that. And so I kind of want to talk about that. So I'm gonna knock one uh, perspective or stereotype out of the way. Doctors are not rich. They're not in the slightest rich. It is a quarter of a million dollars in debt at the best when you're coming out of med school. A quarter of a million, so two hundred and fifty thousand. Um, and so to put that in perspective, um, to put that in perspective, when you first get out, even even if you don't go into a family practice, even if you don't start a family practice, um, you are making a resident salary. Do you know what that means? That means you're making forty to fifty thousand, which in the long run, I'll kind of put this I'll kind of put this in perspective for you guys because a lot of people see it as like hourly pay compared to um like salary and so I can kind of point that out because doctors get forty to fifty thousand salary and that's a little bit different. Um but just to kind of put it in perspective, um, oh, let's see. If there's, oh boy, time for math. I was never super great in math. I've never been good at math. Um, I guess I shouldn't say I was like I was never great because I never was even really good at math. Um, it's. Oh boy, this is going to be ridiculous. Because I don't, like I said, I'm not great at math. Because it's 40 hour work weeks. There's 52 weeks in a year, roughly. So, let's see. This is going to be confusing. Anyways, I think if I'm doing my math right, it comes out to about 9 to $10 an hour. So not I'm making more than that right now. And I don't think that math is right because if I'm making more than that right now, getting paid a resident salary sucks. <clears throat> Yeah, that's not right. That's definitely not right. Hold on. Hold up. That's closer to... That's closer to $15 an hour if I'm not messing up my math this time.
that's closer to 20 to 30 dollars an hour sorry i went quiet there for a second i was figuring my math out that's closer to 20 to 30 dollars an hour um so that's only to put that in perspective that's only ten thousand more than a teacher so they're not making a ton of money so doctors are not rich if you were wondering um and that's even if you're not starting a a family practice if you're starting a family practice i'm sure it's even worse um because you decide your pay on how many customers you get and that's awful because you're not coming home with a ton of money because you're paying employees in your practice and that's not that that's really brutal um kind of last medical reality that there is is people often say that in hospitals you have to be callous, or at least on TV they say you have to be callous. You can't really show emotion. It's really, it's really not good to show emotion as a doctor. As a doctor, you need to show emotion. It's kind of your last. It's kind of the thing you need the most. I feel like, in my opinion, I maybe if you talk to a real doctor, it probably wouldn't be their opinion. But I feel like it's something you, that you should have because with emotion you can consolidate a family that just lost a family member with emotion you can feel and you can love these people dearly to the point that you don't just end up seeing people as toys that need to be fixed and that's a real threat that's the reason that uh my dad struggled with is he he started to see these people as he started to see them as these toys that needed to be fixed and not real people and so i guess the medical realities are doctors aren't rich and you have to have emotion to be a doctor. I don't really have much more beyond that because I do have to go and I'm glad that I, that I've got some listeners, but this is me signing off. Thanks for listening.